This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages to the Winter is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with Isis, Corey Smith, and Corey Thone, and we're going to talk about the Game of Thrones series finale, The Iron Throne. Um, it's over, guys. The show is over. It's come and gone, and the fan base seems to be split pretty down the middle. I mean, there's a million fans, like 1.4 last time I checked. Who sign petitions for things to change, even though they know that's not really the reason they're signing it for. They just want people to know they're angry. Um, Corey Thone, really quick, before we start this podcast off, I know you're so excited to tell me how much you loved everything from this episode. But just really quick, um, now that it's over season season eight, but we'll get to season eight later, but specifically this episode, how did you feel about it? Eh, it was a C. I give it a C. Yeah. Like, and that's and that's with the the universe that they built that I <clears throat> that I hate. I'll give it a C within within the the walls they put up and the directions they took characters. Overall, the season is a pretty hard. Like, I don't know, D minus. <laughs> like, there were there was enough in episode two, enough fan service to to maybe bump it up to a D plus. But I mean, this was bad. It was bad, and, and I don't think the fan base is split. I think that there's a really loud, like, corner that is aggressively defending it on social media and stuff. But I think that there are people that, that you know, the kind of people that don't know that they call Bron Bran and Bran Bron and all that stuff. Like, they're probably they probably right, right. they they think it's fine. But the people that you know are into the show and have been for you know the whole the whole run as a whole are less than enthused with the ending and there are people that are just i mean like aggressively defending it on when it is coming and stuff and it's like why are you going to bat for this shit like just just why not just say yeah that that wasn't great i don't know but yeah. i think i think it comes down to um people stand really hard like for their shows for their characters um and there are people who are so passionate out there that it doesn't matter if they get a really well-written, well-produced, well-acted episode, well-paced episode, or if they get 
something like episode 804, which was just, in my opinion, 804 was the worst episode of the season. Um, they're going to defend it no matter what. It's like the Last Jedi effect. I like the Last Jedi, and I've always defended it. Um, so there's people out there who liked every episode of the season. And they're going to defend it, I guess. Um, I did. Uh, I've been doing something for our our winners coming club on Patreon, and today I wrote something called uh, "You don't have to, you don't have to like the episode if you if you love the show. Like you don't always have to like every episode to still love the show. Like we still got. I know a lot of people had some pacing problems with season seven, and Corey Smith. Even though season seven had a couple of issues, I still liked it. But season eight was, I will agree, not a great season. But let's, the final episode kind of felt like there were three episodes crammed into one and then scrambled around. Uh, how did you feel about it overall? Yeah, I think that's accurate. I don't know about three episodes, but it definitely. And we have, but we have the same issue with eight oh five, right? It felt like we had kind of two separate episodes mashed together. And kind of taped and or and then episode four or two where they were in Winterfell and then they were in King's Landing and pe- you know what I mean and so it and we're talking the same characters not like they were jumping from one character to the other location wise but yeah I think that's an accurate way to describe it it felt like we had the stuff with Danny was the kind of opening and probably you know the first half of the episode and then everything that came after was the second half. I even thought, you know, it's funny you bring that up because that was kind of my exact thought this morning. It's like they could have easily made two episodes out of this, um, fleshed it out and gave it a lot more, you know, each of the moments time to breathe and have weight. Um, and they would have felt like more even episodes. Um, because yeah, like you said, it just felt like there were, there's two different episodes here in the 120 minute running time wouldn't have taken much more to give us two full episodes. So overall, I mean, I think I'm, I think, yeah, a C would be my grade. Um, everybody that I had over to watch it, um, probably felt about the same, maybe worse. I don't know anybody that loved it. Um, you know, but I think we were all kind of just commemorating, you know, the series as a whole and, and just saying goodbye to it best we could. That's a great point. ISIS. Um, a lot of people saw this episode and were like, yeah, it's not the greatest episode, um, but it is the last one, so I'm going to give it some nostalgia points, you know? Uh, I personally um, had ha- I had a few problems with the episode, but I also understand where some of these fans are coming from, like, hey, this is the last show ever. I really, really, really want it to be good. Even though it wasn't that good, I'm going to go ahead and say it was because it was it was we said goodbye to our favorite characters and our most beloved stories and friends that we've been we've watched for eight seasons. So, Isis, how, how did you feel uh, after watching the finale? Um, I still stand by with what I said on the last podcast that I'm just kind of like I was so ready for the just the, the episode to air to be done with it. Um, you know, I think I, I don't know if the episode was so bad, but my expectations were so low. So that's why I said it wasn't that bad. Um, I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I could go either way with that. But um, 
But, I mean, again, it was the last episode. We've invested a lot of hours of just watching the show, not even, you know, like, the people who write it, write for them for Winter's Coming um, or do podcasts like this and everything. So, you know, I, I want to say that I think it was it wasn't a, a love letter, so to speak, to the fans of, hey, you that's know, this true. is it, it wasn't a love letter. It was a goodbye. And that's what it was. Um, goodbyes don't necessarily have to be great. Um, but it was a goodbye. And I think they took the time to say goodbye to each of the main characters and, and, you know, at least for the Starks, give them, you know, really of like, okay, this is now their new path that they're walking. Whether you agreed with it or not, it did at least um, give us some closure, if you will. So I'll give them that. They gave us closure. There was definitely closure. I, like... If you want to talk about, there are a lot of people saying that, oh, look, they left it open for an Arya spinoff, or they left it open for um, a Game of Thrones spinoff that follows the Stark children on their misadventures. Uh, <laughs> I don't no, know. I would, I would watch, I would totally watch Arya on her, you know, Instagram blog, video blog that she's doing um, on her little adventures. I would watch the shit out of that, by the way. It looks like it could be good. Um, so let's let's talk about uh, this episode. Let's really get into some of the points. Um, here's what here's what got me is this episode kicks off with um, you know our main characters like Tyrion and and John and Davos walking down the street, and then we've got the little horse that makes an appearance again. Corey phone, I don't really know why they decided to show that horse because there really was no callback to it in the episode. Was there any symbolism I missed there? Like, were you, were you, did you see the horse and go, okay, uh, this means Arya's riding a pill horse and she's going to kill Danny now? Was like, was there any symbolism that I may have missed? Uh, no, no, I, I just think that at that point they're fucking with you. I, I don't think that there's any, like, we talked about it on the show last week after the horse. It was like, where's she going to go? Dan- Danny's in the city. Like, <laughs> is she? we made the Old Town Road joke, which it wasn't long after that that somebody, you know, made a video with her and the horse, Old Town Roading and everything. Like, the was, was the horse? I didn't see the horse. Was the horse in the episode at all? Did I miss it? No, just a little wooden horse. <clears throat> gotcha, yeah. So, um, yep. There you go. I mean, I don't have an, I don't have an answer for you. That's just a great example of the the shit that that I mean, like, yeah, we 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 don't have time, you know, to see the Stark children react to John's news about his lineage, but we'll have time for Arya to, you know, re- get a horse to relax so she can ride it, or have Tyrion <clears throat> rearrange chairs, you know, in a in a room for a for a comedy bit at the end of a show where everybody is dead. So I, uh, I, I don't have an answer for you. It's just another, just throw it on the pile, bro. I, I got nothing. Like, and honestly, I'm doing my best. I really came into this podcast wanting to point out the things about the episode I liked because I don't want 
to just take a dump over everything. But you asked me out the gate about the horse, pun intended, and uh-huh. I, I, it's dumb. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't a great point. I I guess I, this kind of, to me, and Smith, you can kind of um, talk about this if you want. Uh, this kind of, to me, was Peter Dinklage's episode. Once again, just like last episode, he came in with some really strong moments. Um, and, and, and we're, I know with Corey's phone, you're probably going to start getting really angry here in a minute because we're going to mention something else that fans really pointed out. Tyrion is able to find a little, little hole that's small enough just for a dwarf to fit through as he goes through the bottom of the Red Keep. And then he finds piles of stone everywhere. And instead of looking like the floor collapsed around everybody, everywhere, there's just piles. And somebody said on Twitter, Oh, if Jamie and Cersei had just stepped a little to the left, they'd still be alive right now. Um, of course, Peter Dinklage killed that scene. He finds Jamie and Cersei, and he just like smashes a rock, and he's sitting there crying. It was a really, really good moment, but the fact that he was that they showed little piles everywhere that it almost made it like your writing is so bad in this episode. And the, the the connectiveness of the episodes are so bad that it just looks like Jamie and Cersei could have survived had they moved to a little to the left a little bit. So, how did you think about uh, Dinklage's performance in the early parts? Well, I mean, yeah, they could have moved to the left, or like they only had like two rocks on their heads. So, I mean, that was yeah, kinda... they were at the top of the pile. Yeah. So, okay, but I mean, if you want to talk about positives in this episode, I think you can say that everybody in this episode acted their ass off. Um, yeah, I mean, Dinklage in that moment, I mean, I felt more in that moment than actually seeing Jamie and, and Cersei die. Um, and that's, a, you know, full credit to, to Peter Dinklage. Um, and I think, you know, even later on, and, and we'll get to the actual moment, but, you know, when John and Tyrion have their big conversation, I mean, even Kit Harrington, I mean, he's in that scene, he was acting i mean i had personally never seen him act as well as that scene and i think and that, let's be clear that's his only scene of this entire season basically yeah i mean and, and right that's one of his biggest scenes of the season even though obviously we revealed his his heritage but i mean that scene i mean everybody in this episode really acted the hell out of what they were being given and I mean, yeah, it's a shame that that those performances were kind of wasted with bullshit. Like, yeah, step to the right and you won't get crushed by the rocks. But, um, I mean, yeah, that was one of the highlights for me of the episode was that everybody in it acted so, so freaking good. And, I mean, it just kind of makes you miss, you know, what could have been or or realize we're not going to get any more of these performances um, from these characters again. Well, um, we go from there to John walking through the courtyard of the Red Keep, and I swear to Christ, Isis, there is a respawn point for both the Dothraki and the Unsullied because every episode, ever since the Long Night, every episode they keep fucking multiplying. I mean, we literally had like five Dothraki in episode eight hundred five who rode through the. The gate, like five or six Dothraki rode to the gate. And here in this episode, it looks like her entire horde is back. Like all of Dothraki have respawned, 
and they've gathered together for a Dothraki party. And then the Unsullied, like they basically filled up the entire courtyard on either side. And then what is what does Grey Worm say at the end? There's a thousand Unsullied that they can fight to, to uh, for their right to kill John. I thought like, he said I'm, thousands. Did you say thousands? Okay, my yeah, God. I, I thought that's yeah, because yeah, Sansa said there's thousands of Northmen outside the wall, and Grey Worm said there's thousands of Unsullied inside the walls. Okay, well, I just wanted to yell, yeah, Grey Worm, no, there's not. You're lying, but okay, sure, whatever. Um, Isis, that moment in, when John walks up the stairs and we see Daenerys with the little dragon wings behind her, kind of, kind of like, here's some symbolism, take it and cram it up your ass. Um, did you like the moment with uh, Danny? Walking out to greet her troops and give her speech. Well, I mean, you know, again, it was it was a, a lot of I oh dear God. Okay, so I'm trying to unpack this. Um, I, I will tell you this: the actress is incredible, Amelia Clark. If you look at some of her scenes for when she first started the series, now oh, oh my. She has grown as an actress, um, trying to put a very positive spin on this. And and she is can, she is so great in her delivery. She acted the hell out of um, this last season. So I, I just want to give kudos to her. Um, what she was given, she freaking nailed it, and she delivered everything that she could. She gave her heart and soul um, right. to to that moment, every moment in season eight. But I will say when I when I looked up and saw all those Unsullied and all those Dothraki. And I'm like, wait a minute, what happened between the time they left from the north and got south? Did they recruit people? Did they just start cutting people's fucking balls off? And, you know, like, yeah, you're part of this, you know, the Unsullied now. Or, I mean, it, it really just didn't make sense. Um, and then again, you know, it really kind of showed how crazy – she really got into, you know, how really crazy she got because there really was no end. She said that she wanted to come there and and to break the wheel and everything, but she was like, our job's not done yet. We still need to go on and, and keep on. And I think that she really showed the the fact that we were all been talking about that we would have liked to see that Danny early on. Because then, then we could start seeing that she's really fucking lost it. She's right, really, really fucking lost it. Um, and and that's what was missing. That Danny, that last episode, Danny, that's the Danny that we need to know to to get to know to say, oh shit, she's crazy. Yeah. So that's just a good point. I want to talk to you, Thon, about this. Uh, so now we have Mad Queen Daenerys for two episodes now, right? Like she burned the city last episode on Ao Five. And no, no, we had her for like half an episode. Well, yeah, well, we basically, yeah, well, combined uh, one and a half. So like she's standing, <laughs> she's standing at the top of these te- these steps, and she basically says, "I'm going to." She basically admitted she's going back to Winterfell, right? She said from Winterfell to Highgarden or whatever. Like she basically admitted that she's going to Winterfell and burn the fuck out of Sansa. Like at that moment. Tyrion knew because John doesn't speak. He heard her say Winterfell, but John doesn't speak High Valyrian. But Tyrion knew, and that's why he talked him into killing Danny. I think because he knew that at that point 
when Danny gave that big speech about, uh, you know, freeing Winterfell and freeing all the other castles, that there was no stopping her at this point. And that's why he threw his hand of the queen pin down. Like, that was another great moment from Dinklage, another great acting piece. Um, he basically called her a mur- murdering psychopath. And here, suck on this, and he threw her pin down. Um, but then he's get take, he gets taken off to, to jail. Um, we could talk about the Kit Harrington Dinklage jail scene if you want. I don't really think that we need to, unless you just feel strongly about it. But there was a time. Uh, I feel strongly about it. Okay, well, there. Okay, well, I'll 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 pivot to Smith then. Smith, there's a time in the in the in the, in the jail cell where Tyrion decides that his only chance is to get John to kill Danny. He basically convinces John that the only way out, the only way to save Westeros, is to become a Queenslayer. Um, is that how you felt it went down? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm surprised you want to skip this because I thought. Aside from the, I mean, okay, so mixed emotions like always, but aside from Dinklage, you know, aside from Tyrion basically explaining to the audience what Danny should have explained to us like two yeah, episodes yeah, ago. Yeah, I want to talk about that. So. Yeah, I was like, I'm surprised you wanted to skip okay. this because this is a pretty I wasn't going to skip it, but you go ahead. You 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 do, you talk about the shit because it, it infuriated me. Okay, and it was, it's, let's, it's let's the break. highlight. It's the highlight of this season for me and yeah. why this season sucks ass, but go ahead. Yeah, break I mean, it down. again, like I said earlier, T- uh, Her- Kit Harrington and Peter Dinklage acted the hell out of this scene. And yeah, it was Tyrion basically saying what we should have been getting from Daenerys' mouth either last episode or this episode later on. Um, and that part was kind of infuriating. Again, the reasons what he was saying made perfect sense, but they would have been better coming out of Daenerys' mouth and it would have, it would have made the entire Danny Mad Queen narrative a lot better. But it is what it is. But what I was gonna say is I, I don't think that Tyrion necessarily convinced John to be the, the Queen Slayer because I think we saw in that entire scene John is trying to remain loyal and dutiful to Daenerys. Um just like I think his adoptive father Ned would have done in that, that scene. You know, Ned would have been loyal, 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 and that's always been the fault with the Starks and Coincidentally, wasn't the fault with Jamie when he killed the Mad King, um, except Jamie caught all the shit for it. But I think just like with, you know, if you remember back in season one when Ned got imprisoned and Varys comes and speaks to him and Varys tells him, you know, Ned's like, he's he's towing the line. He's not going to betray, you know, he's going to do what the best thing to do, honor and duty wise is, et cetera, right. et cetera. And finally, Varys says, well, what about your daughters? Because if you do that shit, they're both going to die. And that's when Ned chooses to lie and say that he tried to steal the throne and Joffrey's the true heir. And I think it was the same thing here. Jon was going to toe the line and, and be the loyal, you know, side dude. Is that what we say? Side dude? Uh, to Danny, the booty call. Well, he's definitely a side piece. Yeah, but until but when Tyrion finally said, "What about your sisters?" You know, Sansa's never going to bend the knee to her. She's going to fight until the end, which means 
most likely she's going to die. And so you're going to serve someone who's going to kill your sister. So I think that's what finally broke through John, just like it did with, with Ned all those seasons ago. And I think that the, that's not an accident. I think that's, they intentionally chose that, but I'll let, I'll let Thone break it down probably a little better. Yeah. Thone, tell me what's got you so enraged about this. Right. So uh, like Smith said, they went through and cited things that Danny did that should have, I guess, tipped off Tyrion that she was evil, even though, and I'm not adding gun to the trope yet, but even though Danny and Tyrion in their first conversation, Tyrion was like, well, I wanted to see what kind of queen you were because I heard you crucified a bunch of people, but they were slavers and, and now I've met you and yeah, I'll work for you. And it's like, great. Yeah. So you figured that out. And now it's, it's just, they already had that con- Tyrion had that conversation on the show. It wasn't off camera like D and D loves so much. It was right there on the show when he met her. Right. This is a trope. There's several examples of it. The best one I could find, the best definition was from TV Tropes, which is a wonderful website if you want to ruin TV and movies for yourself. Uh, a, it's called the Writer on Board trope, and this is how it is described in the first paragraph. See if it rings a bell uh rider on board is when there is obvious authorial intrusion when the characters start behaving like idiots or acting against their established characterization because the writer damn well needs them to tell the story in a particular way often to make a point who cares if the characters become less believable as a result that's the first paragraph about this trope that has been this whole season in particular, that scene with Tyrion where he starts – and I – it's the same shit that I listed in my Game of Thrones article last week when I said you cannot cite and, – and, and, and Tyrion even says it. He says, well, they were slavers, so we let it go. But now it's like, yeah, they were slavers. Like he removes all context from the situation and says, you know, Danny burned people you know, in Yunkai. And it's like, yeah, they were you know, cutting the balls off of babies. But she burned them. And you know, if, if foreshadowing <laughs> – is people doing things that other people don't like, then every character on this show should be turning mad right now. Arya f- turned Agree, people 100%. into freaking meat pies and served them to their dad. You know, uh, John hanging Ollie or cutting or, or decapitating Janice Slint while he begged for his life. He's clearly a madman. He has no business being, and, and, and it just, <laughs> it all, and obviously, if you remove all context from those situations, yeah, I could just, I could spin anything into them going mad. And Tyrion sitting there and basically staring at the camera and pleading with us to just forgive their their lazy writing to, so that we can see what they want us to see. You know, it's, it, earlier in the season when Arya had to tell us, oh, Sansa's the smartest person in the world. It's like, okay, but you haven't written the smartest person in the world, the Sansa. It's like, yeah, but she is, she's really smart. It's like, could you show us? They never do. Like, it just and, – and just like with this, they, they don't they, – if you go back and watch those scenes, a, a great example is for Battle of the Bastards where, you know, the first half is uh, Tyrion and Grey Worm Masande with the three slaver ruler people, whatever, the 1%, right. um, and Danny torches a bunch of them and takes their fleet like the music that's and then Tyrion's like you know you tell the people back what happened when Daenerys Targaryen and her dragons came to Marine or whatever right and the entire scene is billed as heroic every single beat there's not one bit of like 
brooding music. There's not one shot where everybody's like, oh, she's really burning the shit out of those boats. Like they they build that whole thing and her whole storyline as positives. And they rode that wave. They rode that girl power wave all the way into season six. They were the ones, Game of Thrones, HBOs are the ones that were putting that out there. That this show, you know, was very strong female characters. And then in the last two seasons, especially the last season, really did them dirty. Not just Danny. They really, they really kind of dumbed down their characters. But the, this right here was the most glaring example of them not knowing how in the hell are we supposed to make John realize he, you know, that Danny's evil after she just torched an entire city, you know, and, and I just him staring at the camera and just listing things. That was worse than that was worse than the the exposition scene in True Detective season three. That was the worst. I, that was that was an insult to the fans right there. It was it was insulting, and I know that that was a long rant that I went all over the place with, but it's just because there's so many examples from this show of bad things and then just anyway move on because i just i don't want to and the thing is too we skipped over this but i wanted to say you guys were like oh you know dinklage really sold that scene with his brother and sister i disagree completely i found that scene cringy and stupid really Uh, yeah i hated it i hated that scene uh a if i i'm so glad the show is over because i'm a positive if they had another episode that they would have Tyrion be spending money to build a shrine to Cersei, the 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 mother of three, the 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 golden mother, because he just says <laughs> he just, why the fuck are you trying to make me give a shit about Cersei? Stop, stop it, stop it! Okay. Like hey. it's, it's infuriating to me that in, in this final <laughs> season they have taken Danny the good guy, Can made her the bad guy, mic? Cersei the eight season bitch, and made her a good guy. <laughs> what in the shit are you doing? And it makes no sense. I'm, I just I hate. It. And then he smashed the rocks like his idiot cousin smashed Beatles. So I, I, didn't I thought about that too. Kunk, yeah, kunk, yeah. Kunk. And, and and yeah, the, the people on Twitter were right. The the whole thing caved in last episode. This episode there was only about a fourth of it caved in. Just like the installing Nithraki or 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 whatever. It's it's just convenient storytelling. Just leave another fucking water bottle. Who gives a shit? Wrap it up. Like I, I this was. Lay. I'm done. Sorry. Sorry. No, it's okay. That's why we're on this podcast to get our <laughs> feelings out and to feel better after we get up after we hang up for the night. <laughs> Yelled but, really loud at one point there. I'm sorry. You'll have to get that in post. <laughs> actually, no, no, no. It, it you're, whatever you you got a good mic because it adjusted as he screamed. Um, I really, I really enjoyed that you brought that up because yes, ISIS. Here's what I have a problem with, and Corey Thone, you hit it nail, uh, nail, nail, nail on the head. You hit the nail on the head on this one. Um, for eight and a half seasons, I guess, maybe, let's call it seven seasons, we've been told that Cersei is the most evil person in the entire world. No, fuck it. Let's call it eight and a half seasons. We've been told she's the most evil. Like she and, and her actions have proven it. She's a horrible, horrible person. And for two episodes straight, Tyrion has tried to save her and defend her. He's defended her to anybody who will listen. And Corey Phone, you're right. You you just brought something out in me. You really you really have. You've made me see the light on the scene. Why get upset over the death of the woman who hated him so much his entire life? 
Like, yeah, I'm sure he was upset about Jamie, but he was upset about Cersei and the unborn baby, too. And let's just put this out there. Had Cersei won the war, she would have absolutely taken Tyrion down to her dungeon, had the mountain do some horrible things to him, have Kyburn operate on him, and then, like, put his head on a spike. Tyrion had no chance of redemption with Cersei, and yet he still tried over and over and over. And I just, goddamn, Thone, you, you, you've awoken the beast in me. I'm really mad about it now. But Isis, um, the the switching of the characters between Cersei and Danny was so strong and in our faces. Um, I know that you didn't like you were you were like I don't care that she died. I wasn't because I, I asked you guys last episode was it they kind of humanized her a little bit. Did you guys feel bad? And you were like, nope, you're the first ones to speak up. Nope. So do you agree that they really try to humanize Cersei this season? Uh, you know, <clears throat> I'm going to say this. I don't necessarily think that they try to humanize her. I think that they really did try to show a different perspective of how all the hate that Cersei had was always one-sided. It wasn't, It you know, of course, he had made comments. Uh, Tyrion made comments about his sister and everything. But it, it was never a mutual absolute hate. Um it was it was always on her side, and so I, I got that. I understood that. I think that what they really tried to do is show that you know Tyrion can can overlook all the things that his sister did, very similar to what Jamie did. Um, but he she wasn't having sex with Tyrion. But anyway, I mean, it, I think it was a, a very weird situation where I think that Tyrion was trying to humanize her, you know, like, you know, say, well, you know, she does love her children. You know, she would do anything for her children and this and this about her children to show that, you know, she wasn't just this God awful person. And, and uh, to be honest, I mean, that was not reflective of what we saw. I mean, yes, she did love her children, but at the same time, she kind of gave up on her children too. Um, you know, especially when we're talking about Tommen, poor Tommen. Um, you know, so she, she actually kind of gave up on her children too. And as a mother, I mean, nobody wants, I, I wouldn't, I would hope that as a mother, I would never give up on my children. Um, but again, I, it, it just felt, it felt, really heavy um at points because i think there was times throughout the seasons where that uh Tyrion would make comments about well you know she does love her children or whatever but it was like they banged us over the head with this like it was this literal foot stomp that they felt like they had to keep on reminding us and and i just i wasn't here for it i didn't care i don't there's a lot of fucking awful people that love other people doesn't make them a good person. That's a good I, and that's point. Where I'm, I mean, that's where I'm left with it. So, you know, there's there's people in jails right now that have done god-awful things to some people. And there are people that love them, and they have people on the outside that they love. Doesn't still diminish what they did or the things that they've done. Um, they're still fucking you know they've still done awful things 
Um, but I, I just didn't appreciate uh, me being banged over the head about it so many times by Tyrion, um, where I was just like, well, I mean, yeah, she loved her children, but she's done X, Y, and Z. Come on. Um, so uh, that was the only thing for me. I mean, he was the only one, him and Jamie were the only ones who were standing up for Cersei. And at the end of the day, I mean, you kind of do that for family, no matter what. The Starks did it. They stood up for John, even though he killed the queen. You know, he's the queen slayer. Oh, my um, God. Oh, I, can't, I cannot wait till we talk about that because I've got so many fucking feelings about that. But uh, you know what? You're right. You're right. And I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. But you're right. Just because she she loved her kids doesn't mean that we all should start liking Cersei again. And I'm, I, no amount of crying over her dead body was going to make me feel anything for her. I just thought that Dinklage was great acting in that part. Um, But... You know, for me, for me, it was really to while well, yes, she was there, but for me, the way I looked at it was that, and, and he may have been crying for for both of them, but most of it was for Jamie. Just well, yeah. mirror off of the fact of that scene from the second to the last episode. Oh my god. Yeah, but I I, I hope that's what it was. Um, I think and you're probably right. That's probably what it was. But let's get to the big the big death scene that was the first part of this episode that really. Could have been an episode in itself. Uh, Smith, you've got Danny walking through the throne room, and it's and it's a callback to her dream in the house of Yandine. And she walks up to the throne, and she touches it. And then she's about to sit down on it, and she sees John, and she, she has a little conversation with John. And at this point, you see that Danny is full-on Mad Queen. Like, she doesn't think she's done a goddamn thing wrong, right? And when, when, they're, in, when they're close enough to each other, and they're about to kiss... John is crying. He's like he's got he's got the, the John cry face, right? And he's like, "But how do you know? How do you know who's evil? And and how do you know to uh when to when to when to kill people?" And and she's like, "Well, if they don't if they won't fall in line, we're gonna I'm paraphrasing. If they won't fall in line, then we do it for them. We make them bend the knee." And at that point, it was that's I think that's the point when John decided he was gonna kill her, right? Uh, yeah, I I think the point was. The exact line was, you know, he asks, how do you know they're good? And and she just is like, I know good. And it's like, you know, what was the shit line from uh, Revenge of the Sith? Only a Sith deals in absolutes, right? So, <laughs> you know, so I think that, yeah, that was definitely the point. Um, I, I like that scene overall, except for her actual death. Like, literally just that act. Um, just from like John walking in and Drogon coming up out of the snow and um, Danny finally being able to touch the Iron Throne, I think that was an important moment um, because in her dream, she reaches out to touch it, but then she uh, hears dragons and she turns around, right? So she doesn't even touch it in her dream. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think John knew, like, I think he went in there looking for an excuse not to kill her. And she didn't give him one. Like, she didn't say, oh, my God, I'm the worst person. That was terrible what I did. I'll never do that again. I made a mistake. This is awful. I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to fix it. Yada, yada, yada. She was like, nah, it's cool. I'm just going to kill everybody, you know, basically the whole world around. Um, And I think, yeah, he realized she had just gone off the deep end. Um, And... Yeah, I mean, when he, she just died so quickly. 
Yeah, it was a step. It was it was a dagger to the heart, and she was out. No yeah. last, no final lines. Like yeah, she barely, she barely even looked at his face. It was like, oh god, this was a quick death. This was like you realize it when the blood starts coming out of her mouth. But when she lays down, the dagger is coming straight out of her heart. So like, yeah. I he, thought we would have got hard. Yeah, and I just thought we would have gotten some sort of line from her before she went. Um, but yeah, and then um, Drogon, when Drogon comes in, man, his his screams were. His screams got me more than her actually dying. Um, you know, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, and, which is kind of sad that a CGI dragon out acted one of the show's main characters. Um, but you know, it still is. I guess we have to talk about him burning the Iron Throne. Um, yeah, which, I wanted to. I wanted to ask about that. Like. Wh- Okay, he doesn't kill John at this point, right? And uh, we we kind of had this argument on Monday, and I and I've I've gone back and forth. Like, there's a couple of reasons why I think that Drogon didn't kill John when he comes in there. Like, he he sniffs Danny's body, and it was a sad moment. Like, if you if you want to throw personalities on a, on a on a CGI dragon, fine, go ahead and do that. I've done it ever since they've been alive on the on the show. So you know, just join me in my little crazy boat. But Drogon is obviously an intelligent creature. Like this is the same, this is the same dragon who rescued Danny from the, from Daznex pit in season five. He's the same dragon who helped her, who, who came to her, her call basically and helped burn the slavers, the same dragon who hugged her after Jorah's death. So he comes in through the, through the ceiling and he has his big moment. He, he kind of nudges her and she doesn't move. Then he, rears back and stands up and puffs his chest out and starts screaming and it really got to me like it really kind of hurt hurt my heart a little bit and i was like wow so you could write a cgi dragon some lines for the death of his mother but you couldn't you couldn't write better lines for like i don't know uh the king of the six kingdoms now fucking brand doesn't get any great lines but you could give him for the dragon anyway um i was really uh, I, at first, I didn't understand why is he not blowing fire at John. Well, and then I think, okay, is it because he's a Targaryen? Um, why, like, phone? I, I know you have thoughts on this. Why do you think John didn't get fire? And and don't answer with because the writers suck and it was a terrible scene. I just oh, is there any? Shit. That's my answer. <laughs> I know. Is like, do you do you not have a hypothesis? Like, why? He blew, he melted the throne instead of John. Nope. I wish That's I it. did. I wish I did. Truly, I do, but I don't. I, I I love the. There's several memes floating around Twitter and Reddit and stuff. That's like, you know, Drogon. You know, Drogon melted the Iron Throne because it was a symbolic thing that killed Daenerys, and then he went and flew back to Oxford and got his finished his master's degree in literature. And like, yeah, that's about as much sense as him not burning the person that killed his mom. Cause he's uh, my, a dragon. He just my, got done burning babies, but he didn't burn John. I don't, I don't do the don't like anytime you want, if you want something from this, it's not like, if you want me to like defend some shit in it, you're throwing it to the wrong person. Cause I don't have it. I don't, ha- I don't, I don't have it in me. I want your honest feelings on it. Well, you got it. Like, it was stupid. If if it would have been... 
I guess. Oh, I can't. I, I don't know why Drogon was just like, I'm going to burn this chair down. I guess yeah. you could say, I guess you could say Drogon may have thought, oh, you killed Daenerys because you wanted this throne. Well, bruh, there you go. But like, that's either way where I'm personifying a dragon that in the show, dragons are basically just like big ass horses. So they. They don't. They don't really have much. I mean, they have like the personality of a dog. Like, I don't know what they're. They're obviously smarter than dogs, but they're not they're like. Mm, I guess, but ca- I guess a cat <laughs> they, also wouldn't have. Burned. They don't grasp a- abstract concepts. Yeah, exactly. Like, they don't. They don't have an understanding of. <laughs> of of like power and the pursuit of power and what it does. Like they don't know that. I mean, yeah, like I get it. Like the your your pet. Let's just say they have a, a your pet has loyalty to you. But yeah, they don't know. Like, I mean, they don't even speak fucking English. How do they know? Like, like they don't even speak the common just, tongue. They don't even speak the common tongue. I'm sorry, my bad. Maybe a little bit of High Valerian, like Tyrion. Um, but Aris. yeah. Well, oh well, there. Well, no, but that's just like. But sick. I mean. I can tell a dog to sit. Yeah, it doesn't know the con. It just does the thing I made it do and gave it a treat. Like right, yeah. And I mean, I don't know the whole scene. Yeah, it sucks because I I, I do think John. I do think Kent Harrington acted really well in that scene. I did like Drogon's initial reaction upon finding Danny, but then him choosing to randomly burn an object in the room just was stupid. And they didn't even attempt to explain it later. Like, you could have... Whatever your reasoning was, right? Whatever reason the writers in their heads said, oh, he's going to burn the throne instead of burning John," They could have had John, you know, one line to Tyrion later in the episode. Why do you think Drogon didn't burn me? Like, why do you think he burned... The, you know what I mean? And then you could have given whatever your stupid-ass reason was right there and at least we would instead you just you're like no we don't have a good reason why he's going to do it so we're not even going to try right it, you know so we're we're just going to not even attempt to and yeah that's just that's just shit writing when you don't even attempt to explain your shit writing like yeah i kind of felt like you know like i've i've gone back and i've been like why did you do this my favorite meme floating around out there is Drogon looks at the dagger and is like, this is a pointy thing. Then he looks at the, the throne and is like, oh, this has got a lot of pointy things on it. You son of a bitch! And he blows it up with fire. Like, he blames the throne for killing Danny. Uh, I think that's one of my favorite memes coming out of this. But you, you guys are right. It's, I, I can sit here and try to theorize and justify it. Oh, John's a Targaryen, and therefore he's th- therefore Drogon's not going to kill a Targaryen. Or, you know, like we talked about on Monday, my first reaction was, well, John was fucking friendly with Drogon. John and Drogon were best friends. Drogon's not going to kill John. Well, that's not really true either because you guys are right. He's an animal. And uh, if he sensed that John killed Danny, he's going to react by killing John. And if you're going to make sense of it, that's the real reaction. Um, yeah. I mean, no, I mean, like your dog, like if, if me and my buddy are hanging out at my house and the guy's been over a hundred times and then that guy just decides to start wailing on me. My dog's going to jump his ass, right? He's not going to go, like, 
eat the guy's wallet because we're fighting over money. <laughs> he's not going to kill the guy's – he's not going to kill your recliner because he's sitting in it. Right. He's not going to – you know, he's going to – like animals react to their owners and are protective of their owners. I mean we saw Drogon burn down half a marine without Danny even taking a scratch in Daznek's pit, right? I mean he was burning Unsullied. He was burning the slavers. He was burning left and right. Like a crazy person, and nobody had even touched Danny yet. So, yeah, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, I mean, it's a poetic moment, or whatever you want to call it. Dying Throne is gone. We kind of all assumed it would be gone before, you know, everything was said and done. But again, like a lot of the execution and a lot of the big moments, they just didn't earn it, and it didn't it didn't land well. So, yeah, and I mean. I don't know. The other crazy thing is, if you think about it, three episodes ago, Danny was like the hero of Winterfell and like saved <laughs> fucking mankind. And she went from like that to a dead, crazy woman who burned down, you know, a couple hundred thousand people in three episodes. Like, that's just completely, I mean, that's more bonkers than she is to me. That is the that is the frenetic pacing, and the fact that you don't have four more episodes to flesh this out. Like we should have had the three extra episodes of season seven, and we should have had four more episodes here. And that is why I have that's my biggest problem. When people when I talk to people online and they get really mad about the writing, yeah, I I can agree the writing's been bad, but I think it's systemic of the fact that there's not more episodes to flesh these stories out like danny going mad in one and a half episodes and then dying right after her heel turn like you there's also one of my favorite memes on on reddit right now is you you gave us three bad guys in three episodes it went from the night king to cersei to danny all in three episodes just like Mm -hmm. that and it's like why would you do that why would you take the the, like daenerys decided to be the savior of humanity and when, now she's when they killed when they killed the Night King, we didn't talk about him afterwards. No, nothing. It was there was no like moment where John said, "Hey, I spent my whole life fighting this guy." You know, whatever happens in King's Landing, at least this threat to humanity is over. You know, the Night's Watch is done. We don't need the Wall anymore. It was just like, boom, Night King's dead. All right, on to the next thing. And it was just like we literally spent. From the opening moment of the series, worried about the Night King. And once he was dead, we did not mention him again. And that is absolute bullshit. And I that's, agree. And, and yeah, if we had had one more episode in the middle there, we could have had them talking about that. How, you know, what does this mean now? Da, 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 da. So Sansa could have thrown in her little, well, we don't have a grain shortage anymore. You know, because apparently, <laughs> apparently, tens of thousands of Northmen died at the Battle of Winterfell. Um, but all we saw were Dothraki, and it's only five. Right, right. But anyways, but yeah, I mean it. Again, I mean, we'll mo- get, we'll get more we'll get more into all that. I think I know we're going to have at least one or two wrap up podcasts right. when it's all said and done. So yeah. you don't want to like just get too far off track as we're talking about this episode. However. I think it's it's going to be interesting for us. Now that the season's over, I guess we're allowed now to talk about episodes. You know, that's the other thing, too, is that 
every article or whatever. Everyone's like, the season's not even over yet. You're already saying it sucks. It's like, yeah, man, it's law of averages. But uh, like, yeah, well, now, now we can just say I called it. Yeah, no, now I'm smart, I guess, even though I was just saying whatever the other critic was saying. Uh, now we can actually look back at these last two seasons and we can say this was a huge mistake. And look, I you can go find my article about it. I defended the idea that Arya was fully justified in killing the Night King. Like that was not some Mary Sue BS. You know, she had trained forever. And if that was her arc, that was her arc. You know, fine. And the the implication after that was. You know, but there's got to be a reason for John to be alive at the end of this. And um, hmm, about that. <laughs> yeah. Really... Okay. So let, let me speak to that really, because this is what this is what makes me angry. Because we're gonna segue now into uh, the the next episode in this episode of 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 mixed episodes. Um. So now we've got the dragon pit scene and the mention of John in prison. Because fuck you, Grey Worm. Anyway. Uh. Grey Worm won't let John go, right? Like, like because of his multiplying uh, Unsullied, I guess they hold the city now. So and... I just got disconnected from Skype. I think Smith was trying to mute me and accidentally hung up on me. <laughs> no. That's what, that's what you did, isn't it? No. It's 100% <laughs> no. You Even though... Okay. You jackass. <laughs> you fucker. I might have figured out how to pass my internet shit on to ISIS no, tonight. No, no, yeah. But I'm not that smart. <laughs> and by the by the way, so you, people don't think that we're like not talking to ISIS had to go because of work reasons. She had she got called in, so she had to sneak out. We're not just not talking to ISIS. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I we'll get into all that too. But at this point, it's like all right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. The, the, there were some choices made this season that. When it's all said and done, I felt like really, really hurt the narrative down the stretch. Um, and, and that that culminates with the dragon pit scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, well, yeah, it does. But it it starts if you go all the way back. It starts last season. Um, you know, it starts last season when when Arya gets to Winterfell and stuff. Like there were just choices being made narratively that. You know, really sent them on goose chases and stuff, trying to, like, I don't know. I, I 100% don't think Arya is going to kill the Night King in the books. I, yeah. I I don't. I don't know what you guys think. but we don't, he's, he's not even around the books. We haven't even been introduced to the Night King in the books. So well, it's what, the other or something. Yeah, but, something like that. I mean, they had to personify it for the show. I get that. Right. But yeah, no, and we can, we can move on. I don't want to get too far off. Uh, track into that but yeah there were just a lot of choices made and and a lot of them came to a head in this episode that left me kind of scratching i don't know just saying i don't understand yeah well here's what okay so here's what i was talking about whenever you whenever smith obviously disconnected you from the podcast uh we all we all know it was Corey smith but anyway um the power <laughs> um so i'm really pissed off about this here's another off-screen moment so John's arrested by the Unsullied, right? Yep, and off screen. Off screen, he's arrested by the Unsullied. And uh, Grey Worm, fuck you, Grey Worm. I really don't like you anymore. You were one of my favorite characters, but now fuck you forever. Um, won't let John go. And, you know, it's here it is in front of a bunch of lords, a bunch of, again, unnamed, unrecognizable lords. The only new guy that we recognized 
and he's not new, was fucking little Robin Aaron, who I love all the memes about him glowing up. Like he, Robin Aaron turned in from a titty sucker to a badass. And uh, there's a meme up there that says, Game of Thrones, uh, drink your milk and you'll grow up to be as strong as Tormund Giants Bane as good looking as Robin Aaron. So <laughs> I was, I, I, I liked the way that they brought Robin Aaron back into this episode, but who are the other fuckers standing around, sitting around? Like, like they didn't bother telling us. Like, you knew the guy with the golden robes on, slouching in his chair, like Oberyn Martell would, um, and with with the Middle Eastern uh, or Spanish look, was definitely from Dorne. You knew that guy was from Dorne, but we didn't know who the fuck everybody else was, and that was very fucking frustrating. And 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 if you want to say the guy sitting next to Sam was Halland Reed. If if the internet agrees that that guy was Halland Reed, then fuck Halland Reed because he didn't mention his daughter. He didn't mention the fact that his little brother died to get Bran the Broken on the throne. He didn't talk about anything. In fact, he laughed at Sam whenever Sam said, "Let's have a democracy." So if that's Halland Reed, then fuck the mysterious Halland Reed that we all wanted to see make a comeback on the show. After the after the flashback to the Tower of Joy, but anyway, again, I'm talking about moments that happen off screen. John gets arrested by Gray, by Grey Worm, and Sansa, who I'm really happy, said she's like, "You, where's my brother? If you think you're gonna hold him, there are thousands of Northmen outside the city waiting to free him, you know." And basically, they threaten each other, and then Tyrion gives us the big speech. Cory Thone, I know you loved that they chose a king based off stories. <laughs> First of all, uh, oh, let me tell you a little story real quick. Uh, I watched. Careful, a... you, might, you might be king if you tell a story. Oh, you're, <laughs> you're not wrong. I was watching a. Um, I feel like it was a behind the scenes thing about one of my favorite movies is the Royal Tenenbaums. And that was written by, you know, Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson. And they were talking about Owen Wilson is so good at making scripts sound off the cuff, right? Like if you look at his comedy work, whether it's wedding crashers or the ones, the Shanghai noon series or whatever, um, Owen Wilson is just really great at making things sound natural that to the point where he gets cast i think they were talking about that movie drill bit taylor the script for it would have scenes where it was like okay and this starts happening and instead of having dialogue for uh you know owen wilson to say it would just say parentheses owen wilson says something funny close parentheses they just assumed (laughs) that he was like yeah he comes up with all this stuff off the cuff no man he gets a script and he's a great actor and he can make it work like he can make it sound supernatural, even things that are silly or whatever. He can make it sound really natural and off the cuff. And I really feel like in that scene, they were like, yeah, don't worry about it, man. Tyrion can make this sound. You know, uh, Peter's going to make this sound great because everything he does. No, man, you still have to give him shit to say that sounds smart. You can't just have him. He just started rambling about stories. And I guess the point. <laughs> Of the stories, and I think this is what they were saying, was we have to really sell whoever the king is going to be to the people, right? So they have to have a story that the people are going to be okay with. 
because John's story is he killed his queen who uh, had just burned down the whole town and they all hated. So can't pick that guy for some reason. Yeah, let's not pick the guy who <laughs> literally did nothing wrong his entire life. <laughs> pick the guy like that, he that he saved was... them from a tyrant. You know, um, <laughs> oh I just uh, I it's everything about that scene was was pure cringe. From the fact that Grey Worm uh, apparently just, you know, was slicing throats of Lannister soldiers who have surrendered in the streets to beating John to being at Daenerys' side, by the way, for her big speech, <laughs> which was insane. And, uh, like, my wife paused the episode and was like, how in the hell did he beat him there? And, uh, well, he stopped to get some delicious hate chicken. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> that's an insight joke. But uh, to... From killing Lannister soldiers to taking John prisoner <laughs> for killing the queen, <laughs> and then yeah. keeping him prisoner for all that time. Also, what are the? I have seen what happens to Dothraki when their leader dies. We have seen it in the show, and <laughs> and instead we at the end we see Dothraki like walking through the market by the docks like. Looking Just at walking fruit, and talking like like oh yeah, look at this. Oh look, the the plums are nice this time of year. Like what <laughs> is going on? But, but, because they yeah. had to make sure to give us that moment where anyway. John, John and Grey Worm mean mug each other. Anyway, so yeah, this scene at the Dragon Pit <laughs> where where uh, Tyrion convinces everybody that narrative uh, is the most important thing. And keeping with the theme that cocks matter, Sansa's quick to remind everybody that Bran's dick don't work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Oh my gosh! Like I that scene, it read like bad fan fiction. Like it was, it Terrible. was so bad, man. And Smith, I want to, I want to know Smith. Gashy question about that scene because I, I want to, I want because you. I think you probably enjoyed it as much as I did. Can we talk about how uh, Sam pitched democracy to the group and everyone laughed at him, despite the fact that we have seen that the very thing Sam was pitching uh, was what the Iron Islands already does. Oh, snap. Well, no, the Night's Watch. That's where Sam learned the idea. That's, yeah. how the night, that's how the Night's he Watch. He saw the Night's Watch do it, and the Iron Islands, like Yara made her case to be queen, and then Euron showed up and was like, no, I should be king, and they yeah, all the picked. King's moot. Right. Yeah. So yeah. basically, he was pitching a King's moot. Yeah, thanks. I didn't know what it was called, because that's that's a silly name. But there was King's, <laughs> King's I'm, I sounds like I am Groot, but for a king. But uh, yeah, the, we've already seen we've already seen them do that in other kingdoms. Why is it so funny? To th- I, I'm sorry. I just go ahead. Uh, no, it was pretty funny. Uh, not as funny as Edmure Tully standing up and be like, uh, I should be king. Everybody's like, shut the fuck up. Sit down. Dumbass. Yeah. We, I'm battle tested. We talk about how that guy, how Sansa, you know, sassed her. Is it uncle? Is that her uncle? uncle yeah. 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 Sassed her uncle that has. Uh, been imprisoned for the last forever because of her brother and the war that was started because of kind of her and Ned being stuck in King's Landing next head. She's stuck in King's Landing and everything uh, that 
Like he has been his his life for I don't know how many years has been terrible, all because of his loyalty to his you know ba- he's a bannerman for the Starks, and Sansa's gonna sass him in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah, uh, because have a seat. <laughs> because as we have clearly established this season, Sansa's kind of a bitch, and she <laughs> truly. All Whether right. it's talking to Daenerys or talking to Edmir or whatever, she is just really kind of unnecessarily sassy has been her theme this whole season. Jesus Christ. He deserved he might not deserve to be king, <laughs> but he doesn't deserve to be told to sit down by, by a girl who at that point was just kind of like de facto getting to sit at the big table, you know. Yeah, because John was in prison. Yeah. The so, only thing, yeah. yeah. The only thing, I, other thing I'd say I like about that scene was Arya, like, where she says, it's talk, keep talking about executing my brother and I'll slit your throat. That was a great moment. I loved it. Yeah, so there's little, there's little, little, little tiny moments of uh, coolness hidden in that scene. But overall, yeah, it was fucking stupid. None I of just, it worked. I, and, and the thing that, in the moment, okay, are you guys familiar with what I think we might have talked about last podcast actually, but what Alfred Hitchcock called the the fridge realizations? Yes. So the idea that like you watch something and it's pretty cool, but then you get home and you're standing in front of the fridge getting a snack and then you go, wait, what the oh, hell? Yeah. And you think about like how dumb something was. Like this wasn't even a fridge realization. This was in the moment realizations of how dumb what we're seeing happen is and the idea that that sansa can be like we have to be independent brand and he's like yeah sure and no one else says uh can i get independence too yeah yeah like basically yara's there going what the fuck why didn't she speak up and why didn't Dorne speak up? Dorne's always been independent of the Seven Kingdoms, basically. So why didn't Dorne speak up? I guess the new cool prince who was slouching in his chair like 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 he was too cool for school just didn't want to speak up at the time. But you know what really, really, really got to me and really pisses me off? And I, and I hope you guys are just as mad at this as I am. But fucking Bran tells Tyrion, why did you think I came all this way? I knew I was going to be king. Really? That's ex- that's where you want to end this fucking story, David Benioff and Dan goddamn Weiss? You want to tell us that the Three-Eyed Raven knew all a fucking long that he was going to be king? Even though in Season 7, in the finale of Season 7, Bran tells Sam, he's John's not a bastard. He never was. His name is Aegon Targaryen, and he's the true heir of the Iron Throne. And you think, okay, Season 8 is going to be about John's victory lap john's gonna get the throne but no the same kid who said that john's a true-born heir to the iron throne knew the whole fucking time that he was gonna be king brand the broken i'm fucking mad about it no two episodes ago when Tyrion asked him if he wanted to rule winterfell he said i don't want anymore and it's like all right cool yeah and then he's like hey what about the iron throne shit i thought you never asked and it's like (laughs) Which is it? Like, one or the other. But I think we need to move on to the fact that, you know, literally all the Starks got a happy ending um, and that they all came out on top, which is kind of 
shitty convenience, you know, for okay. our heroes. So a couple a couple of podcasts ago, Corey Thones was mad that the Starks were basically being turned into bad guys, right, Thone? Like you mentioned this. Yeah. I just called Sansa a bitch like three seconds ago. So. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Like the, the Starks all of a sudden are the bad guys. The Starks are basically the Lannisters of the early season, right? So basically you've got Sansa who fought for independence or, or told people that, that there was going to be an independent North. She got what she wanted. And honestly, I liked her final moments. Queen Queen Sansa walks through the Great Hall of Winterfell, and everybody bows to her. And uh, the dress that she was wearing, Michelle Clapton, the designer for Game of Thrones, really knocked it out of the park. It was a weirwood tree dress. It was badass. I loved the direwolf throne that she sat on. And yeah, I no, I, I, I want to just clarify that I don't hate the character Sansa or anything. And I you hate think the writing. Yeah, I hate the writing. And I think it's... Her being queen of the north is fine. Um, I didn't. I don't have any objections to it. Uh, I have objections to other aspects of it, like her getting out of being in the Seven Kingdoms, and yet still somehow being allowed to vote on king, and also with a Stark who now the North isn't part of the Seven Kingdoms, but a Stark is king of the Six Kingdoms. That is probably not how it works. If I was what? one of those lords, but whatever, man. Whatever. Guess what? None, none of the lords, and again, I go back, if that's Talon Reed sitting next to, to Sam, he knows something, because the last Three-Eyed Raven lived about 500 years. So, Bran took kingship knowing that he was going to be the king for a long-ass time. Like, this, I don't even get this. Okay, it's so insane. The last Three-Eyed Raven we saw... He, well, he, in, in, in the last Three-Eyed Raven was also half-tree. So oh, yeah, no, but it was only a hundred years. Well, still, again, I'm just saying he Actually. knows he's gonna live forever, basically, if he <laughs> wants to. And so it doesn't matter if his dick doesn't work; he's just gonna be the king, and nobody else can get it from him now. Brand the broken, all hell, brand the broken. Along may he reign. But um, you know what? Like, yeah, Arya gets to go on a ship, and it's a cool ship. It's a, it's a Stark ship. Yeah, the, the Stark has a navy now. Which Stark Starks have navy has have a navy. Um. Sansa is the queen in the north, and John goes to to Castle Black. And I'm gonna tell you right now, he's not going back to Castle Black after they left for the, with the Wildlings. He looks back as the gate closes. That was John going, "Yeah, I'm the king beyond the wall now, bitches," and he just rode off. Like that's it. He's never going back to the fucking Castle Black. And why would he in the first place? I don't. I don't even think there were any uh, men from the from the Night's Watch left. Like those two guys that escorted him. Where the fuck do those guys come from? Anyway, um, so let's let's uh, we got the ending, and I and I want to know as we us we three wrap this podcast up for this episode, and we'll, and we'll get into it in the next couple of weeks if I we really hated and liked things and whatever. But uh, phone, I'm gonna pass the torch to you. Um, there's a somebody did a John Hughes ending to the game of, to the, to this episode. It was really great. Um. You know the the song playing them off that was really cool. But um, how did you feel about the ending? All jokes aside, was it were you satisfied with the ending of Game of Thrones when as it pertains to this episode? Kinda. I mean, it was. I'm pretty sure that in the preseason, the off season, whatever, I said that I thought one of the most likely endings for Arya was her finding out what's West Westeros. Uh, so I got that going for me. I don't mind Sansa being queen. 
at all. John never wanted to be king, so this is probably granted. You know, something else we haven't talked about. He could have just waited three days for the Unsullied to leave and then just gone back to Winterfell. <laughs> and also, you know, the Night's Watch and all that shit's part of the North. It's just a part of the Six Kingdoms anymore. So you can't really fucking control it if he leaves there. And, Sa- and Sansa can just pardon him. But again, whatever. We're not caring about that kind of stuff anymore. Uh, the thing about the ending to me is that it wasn't bittersweet. It was Disney-esque to me. Super it, Disney. It was, except, of course, for Daenerys, who they turned into a villain, and like she, everything shitty that could ever happen happened to her and her alone, and she's the villain, and she died a villain, even though she spent 71 episodes of the 73 being not a villain. And it was just bananas to watch that happen so fast. But uh, yeah, even like even Braun got High Garden. That was crazy. Sam has no business being a Grand Maester. He's done like six. Talk about a Mary Sue. It's, Sam is the biggest Mary Sue on the show. Probably he he's somehow <laughs> killing. He's somehow killing White Walkers and also is a Grand Maester. He's only been to school. They even have an associate's degree, let alone enough to be a Grand Maester. What like, about Gilly and their un, their unborn child? He's a Grand uh, Maester now. Where the fuck is Gilly? I don't know. So anyway, I but as a whole, it could have been worse is not the best praise I can give to a show, but it could have been worse. Uh, now, that being said, nothing is worse than our endless jokes about Sam Samwise Gamgeeing the end and having Sam come in with a fucking book and be like, oh, I got a book. That was awful. That was, oh my! And also, we wrote a book about the the war between you know the Starks and Lannisters, brethren. And Tyrion's not in it. How in the shit is Tyrion not in it? He was the hand to three different kings and queens. It's like ha ha ha. <laughs> this is supposed to be a joke. We get it. Ha ha ha. Oh ha, ha, ha. God in heaven. Go ahead, Smith. You you dive well, in now. Let's let's also. I want to mention really quick. Uh, in season two, when Tyrion is the acting hand of the king, he tries to explain to Bronn how banking works. Bronn doesn't understand banking, and yet he's the master of fucking coin at the end? Okay, whatever. I'll get this. I'm sorry. I apologize. Smith, uh, how did you feel about the ending of this show that you've written about for a few seasons now when it was coming? This, this show where you've loved and you've, you've poured your devotion into, was the ending enough for you? Um, no, not really. Um, I mean, I'm sad that it's over. Um, I wish we've gotten more time with it. It definitely felt rushed. Um, it, it but it does suck. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a long time before we replace the community aspect of this show. Um, you know, everything's moving to streaming on different platforms and different services. And you can watch the whole season of a show the day it comes out. And, you know, that, that that's going to fragment us a lot. And we're not going to necessarily gather around in groups, um, you know, to watch episodes of a show anymore. Um, you know, this Sunday, it was like, I wasn't planning on doing a party, but everybody kept texting and calling and, you know, sending me messages. Hey, what are we doing? What time is everybody coming over? And it's like, I didn't, you know, that's not going to come back. You know, I mean, there's lots of other great shows out there, um, but nobody's gathering around the TV in a group to watch them. And I think we're going to, you know, it's going to be a long time before we get that back. And I think that's going to be the one of the biggest things that I miss from the show 
is that community aspect of it um, and just, you know, kind of getting together with everybody and watching it. So uh, it, it was okay as a finale. There were some, there were some good moments, uh, you know, like the whole season, good moments that worked in a vacuum, but not necessarily within the rest of the narrative that we'd been given um, the entire series. So, I mean, I, overall, it, it wasn't terrible. I'd probably give it a C. Um, for, for me, there was definitely a lot of stupid shit that we talked about. Um, but I, I do think everybody brought their A game acting wise. Um, and really, I mean, like we said earlier, some nostalgia points. I mean, I'm sad to see it go. So um, it kind of sucks as this was the last episode and this is the way we went out. So, yeah, I kind of feel like nostalgia kind of gives me a little bit, gives this episode a little bit of a leg up on episode 804. Um, the big moments that had to go down went down. Um, I think that honestly, I would like I would like to give Benioff and Weiss credit where credit is due. I, f- I felt like if this was if this season wasn't the final season, my my big thing would be, hey, so okay, they've they've earned their mulligan. Like they've they've written such a great series for seven seasons. I'm gonna give them a mulligan this season and we'll see what they do with season nine. That was last but, season. I know, I know. Seven. We gave them we gave them mulligan. We did, last we absolutely season. did. So you're right. You're right about that. So uh, they don't get a mulligan anymore. There's no free passes. They've taken their Star Wars money and they've run. They're going over to the House of Mouse now. So congratulations. And I mean, to them. I don't blame you for getting paid. Yeah. But but you know, this isn't the first time HBO has let this happen either. You know, we talked about Boardwalk Empire last week. I think. You know, if if the showrunners want to go do something else, that's fine. I mean, that's. It's it's not you know this isn't Young Kai we can't make you stay here right <laughs> but that doesn't mean that you let those showrunners like rush everything so they can leave just get someone else to do it man like right. like I I don't understand why they couldn't have just been like hey we'll still be EPs on it but we're not going to be writing or directing or anything we, we can help with some punch up and stuff but like well you know we've got other stuff we want to start working on and you know get someone else in here and I, I don't understand why they couldn't have done that and I. You know, Smith is right. This is the last. I, I don't know if there'll be ever be another water cooler show nope. because of streaming. Unless, of course, which, you know, there have been rumors about this that, you know, Netflix and other streaming services are going to start releasing shows in like, like not weekly, but like two episodes at a time instead right. of, you know, and, and trying to create that destination you know tv again but when it's all said and done there it's it's gonna have to be on a network for that to happen i don't see any of hbo's you know next stuff becoming as big as game of thrones so yeah i mean you've got what you've got Watchmen coming up we don't know where that's gonna how that's gonna play out you've got uh westworld coming back and which had a decent season three trailer which season two really hurt that show so people are really gonna be wary about season three mm-hmm. i think out of the shows that the hbo had on slate westworld would have been the top contender for the next water cooler show because of season one, it really was. Think about it. Season one of Westworld was absolutely a water cooler show. People were like they had a whole community on Reddit. Season two kind of killed that a little bit. Mm, yeah. And, True detective isn't often enough. Yeah. You don't even know if they're going to make another one. And, you know, Nick, if Nick Palacio ever decides he's going to do another one, I don't know, but, uh, I'm, I'm going to miss Game of Thrones. I think the ending was, I agree with you 100%. It was very Disney-esque. 
The only bittersweet part you got was that Danny died. Everything else that wasn't, was just... but that wasn't bittersweet. Her dying and going crazy wasn't bittersweet at all. That was no, just shit. Like, like the, the idea that a killer was. Yeah, I, I mean, but that's, I guess, I have a different definition of bittersweet. Like yeah, bittersweet yeah. is like John going north of the wall. Like he'll probably never see anybody in his family again, but he gets to be with Tormund and the Wildlings, and he'll probably. You know, go like at the end. You saw that green grass sticking out of the snow north of the wall. Yeah. So, like, he'll probably start a whole new kingdom up there, and like that's bittersweet. Like, he's gonna miss his family for sure. So is Arya. She's probably never gonna see her family again. Yeah. So, like, ever come, and I'll tell you this: it's a fun. There's, there's a fun story in Fire and Blood about a girl who goes west, looking for what's west of Westeros, and she's never seen from again. There was a Stark in the books who uh, Brandon the shipbuilder. Who tries to go west and he's never seen from again? Like nobody ever goes west and is ever heard from again. So Arya going west is pretty much going. Arya's never coming back. Basically, she's gone. <laughs> uh, and I've already, I've already read some interesting like fanfic wrap up things about that, about like Arya and about yeah. Bran and everything. And and yeah, apparently in the books, like you said, it's going west to Westeros is like you're never coming back. Um. I mean, eventually somebody will. That's the thing. It's kind of like, you know, for the longest time, people who sailed west of, you know, Portugal didn't come back. You know? So <laughs> if you go west far enough, you'll go east. <laughs> exactly, and and yeah, I mean that's well, they hit America or they sank. You know, like they. <laughs> so I don't know what's going to end up happening with that. Obviously, we never will find out. They're not going to do a spinoff or anything, and that's that's fine. I just. Uh, I don't know. It, it's it's a little the bittersweetness is that it's ending, and while some of the highlight like the the bullet point ends like John going north, Sansa getting Winterfell, Arya doing her own thing, like while those are fine, it's the bitter taste is that the, pretty much everything else was <laughs> not great. It was garbage. It was including absolutely- the including the the you know. The scene, the SNL sketch of a small council meeting we got. <laughs> that so. was a, totally SNL. Um, I think it's funny that the house that suffered the most in the first couple of seasons is the house that uh, is ruling it all at the end of the at the end of the show. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that Martin's going to do that in his books, but it kind of felt a no. little, a little <laughs> too on the nose. Like I, it was really kind of bad. I just I can't see. I can see Sansa being queen of the North or the, at least the warden of the North or something. Uh, I, I don't see brand. Well, that's the thing is this show, this show, like really they steered away from magic as much as they could. Yeah. Like in the last few seasons, any prophecies, any magic and shit like, like they really just, with the few exceptions of people they already had shown were magic, like Melisandre, like they, they didn't want to mess with magic. Like they, that's that was kind of the point too of a lot of the stuff that happened was that the prophecies didn't matter, you right. know. So because all the prophecies, all the stuff that fans were like building their narratives off of, off their theories, were based off prophecies, and none of them came true in the show. And I think a lot of them will come true in the books because yeah. I think the book is way more mystical than the show is. So, um, and I think that translates well better in books than it does in shows. You can't just you can't just bring all yeah, that. Yeah, magic magic is like the vibranium or whatever. <laughs> like, I mean, it can just do everything. So, like, you have to reel it back. That's why they left Lady Stoneheart out and kind of 
kind of sounds like to me they combined some of her actions with Arya <laughs> to yeah, an extent. Did. They absolutely did. So, because uh, because Stoneheart's going after Freys and shit, right? So that's yeah. kind of what they did. So, um, but but you know, at the same time, they still resurrected Jon Snow and everything. But I, I don't know. I just um, I don't really have a great. I don't have anything great to say about the last season because uh, even the good moments were sandwiched or, or maybe not necessarily ruined. But, you know, my favorite moment from the whole season was probably Brienne getting knighted. Yeah, and, absolutely. And two episodes later, she's a blubbering fool over Jamie. And it was <laughs> and it just it's what a shame. What a shame. You know, it I don't really was. Cause, and, and I mentioned it earlier, but for a show that like truly had built some of the most compelling and you know interesting non whatever the right word is female characters that were because i mean at one point in the show every kingdom was basically ruled by a queen right right Right. they to to turn off of that and go to cox matter and all that stuff just i mean and maybe that's you know i get that it's medieval times and stuff but the show is whipped back and forth. Like Tyrion and Danny have had very 21st century views on things yeah. throughout the whole show. And for them to, they whip back and forth between medieval like tactics and 21st century morals all the time just to like drive the plot forward. And it's just become too much. And I, at this point I'm just rambling, but <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. I I'm sad it's over because, you know, it it was a very important show, you know, for me professionally getting to do the show, working for Winter's Coming and all that, getting to meet all the folks on this podcast and everything, but gosh. Oof, what an ending. <laughs> I feel I feel like I feel I'm in the same boat as you. I feel like and I don't want to shit on D&D too much, but I feel like they did a disservice to the ending. They did a disservice to the show with this ending. To they could have – To themselves. And if that's what's going to go down. That will be remembered more than anything. What's a shame is great seasons like episode, like season four and season two and even season six, those will be forgotten because of this season. Uh, a shortened season – because Benny Alpha Weiss didn't want to make four extra episodes to actually explain things and to do things the proper way. And that's what's frustrating. And we'll cover this more in our seasonal wrap-up next week. Um, hopefully we'll have Dan Selke on. He'll he'll be able to add some insight. But, uh, I again, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't upset with the ending, but I wasn't super happy with the ending either. And usually I go back and watch an episode three or four times. Before we even record on Monday, like I'll watch it between Sunday night and Monday night. I'll watch it two or three times before we record our podcast. I haven't, I haven't even rewatched the episode yet because I just, I can't bring myself to do it. It's just not. Like I want to be excited about a show that ends, but it wasn't. It, it just didn't have what I wanted. It didn't give me what I needed. So, anyway, I hate to shit on the show. I'm sorry that we, we bring a negative spin to Game of Thrones. I know there are a lot of listeners out there who have asked us to be a little more positive. I'm sorry, but these are our true feelings. We've got to get them out. And there are a lot of people that agree with us. But you know what? That's what makes this show great is that everybody gets to – you know, we don't have to agree with each other. We can still we can still debate the topics, and that's what we're really kind of doing here. So if you got some comments for us, leave them in, in the comment section below this article. Or on, ha, shout out us at Twitter or Facebook. 
Uh, we'll be back next week with our seasonal wrap-ups for myself, for Corey Thone, for Corey Smith, and Isis. This has been Take the Black's final Game of Thrones coverage episode. A lot of movies. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.